1: Welcome to episode 23 of the Dangerous Dinners podcast. I am your host, as always, the hostess with the mostess. Uh, is Tom Green. You alright? How's your week been? How's everything? We're back to a, a schedule of these now. You'll be uh, happy to know, admin fans, every single Thursday until at least... We're like booked up until mid-September now, guys. So we got guests coming out of our ears and this is a little bit of a last minute one because um, real life news, this is, it's just gone 11pm and this episode goes live in 60 minutes time and we've had to rush this episode out because this week we got a really exciting opportunity because out of nowhere we got a gold medal winning Olympian who was up for the show, listens to the show. So this is amazing. Um, It couldn't be more apt with the uh, Olympic Games in Tokyo happening right now. This week, we are joined by the man who was the first ever winner of a gold medal for the UK in diving. Uh, He's a lad called Chris Mears. He won in synchronized diving, I think, in Rio. Yeah, it was in Rio. Not only that, um, in his teenage years, as he was training to be a diver, he had a ruptured spleen which ended up with him in hospital and losing two litres of blood and having a 5% chance of survival. This is, I think, the most gripping podcast episode we've had since Billy Billingham, all those episodes ago. It was a joy to have Chris on the show. Genuinely one of my favourite interviews in a long time. So inspirational, so insightful. Just a really good hour with a boy who's worked his arse off for years. And overcome so much adversity. So, do you know what? No messing around today. No need to. Well, I mean, I'd love it if you rated and reviewed, but there's no need to chat about that. Let's just get the big man on. It's Christmas. The
0: Dangerous Dinners Podcast with your host Tom Green. Ow. One celebrity guest, one spin of the roulette wheel, and
1: a tour of the best and worst takeaways, which are delivering to us tonight. What will it land on? We let fate decide. Up for grabs today, we have oh, boy, boy, boy. the poorly reviewed Kansas fried chicken, everybody's favorite Lahore Karahi, and if it all goes wrong, Pizza Palace. But before we do that, it's time to meet our celebrity guest. They're famous, they're funny, and they just arrived downstairs. It's time to bring them up. Please welcome. It's Christmas. It's Hello. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm bloody great. How are you? Mate, I'm really good, man. Um, Thank you so much for having us into your hotel room in Salford. Thank you very much. Welcome. This is really nice, man. This is the first time that I've done a in-person interview in about six weeks. Wow. So this is a joy to actually be across from you, to see you, to smell you. In the flesh. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's really good. Um, we've, We've done this on a day where it's chucking it down across Manchester if you hear any thunder, it is thunder and lightning outside. Yeah, it's pretty mad. It's a bit insane. It's concerning. Um, we won't get too deep into
2: that, but yeah, like even globally, it's it's a bit mad at the moment. I see in Germany, there's floods. London,
1: there's floods. It's like, damn. Yeah, not get into the global warming thing so early, but the weather's doing something at the moment, mm, and it is um, for it, sure. It's quite scary. So I, I'm going to be honest and upfront right from the yeah. start. My knowledge of sports is so bad, right? <laughs> it I it is absolutely awful. And the only sport I know anything about, as the listeners of the show know, is golf. Yeah. And that's not the most sexy of sports, right? To be yeah. honest. Yeah, can be. Yeah. And when my uh, we spoke to your manager about coming on the show and I started researching you and the Olympics and the career you've had, I, and I'm not just saying this because I'm now in the room with you, I've said it all week, this is the most excited I've ever been for a podcast episode. Wow. Thank you very much. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to be doing this, so thanks. So, what should I say about you? You are the first ever British diver to win gold. That's right. You are a musician. Yes. A producer, a DJ, and you almost died. <laughs> that sums it up pretty well. <laughs> That's going to be the sort of plan for the next hour. The reason we're in Salford in your hotel room is you are... Commentating and doing bits for the Olympics right now, right? That's right, yeah. So uh, all the like, no, none of the BBC, um, apart from a very select few, are out
2: in Tokyo. So sure. everywhere's, uh being filmed out of uh, Media City here in Salford. How do you think it's going? It's insane. Like it's it's really heartwarming to be a part of it, and I can't say that maybe a couple years ago I would have felt the same. So just because of various reasons that I'm sure we'll get into but it's really nice to be a part of the Olympics and uh, you know Tom, Daly and Matty Lee for those who do like sport listening they won and that's
1: incredible yeah I feel like I've always been a bit of a fake fan right Mm. and I'm a Man City fan and that's only because my best mate at uni mm-hmm. was a Man set. So everyone calls me a fake fan. So now I've learned about sort of what's going on at the moment. I feel like I'm doing myself a disservice. I obviously know about the Olympics, right? Yeah. But yeah, I'm not yeah. going to sit here across from you and go, I know everything about diving or everything about anything in the <laughs> Olympics. But I've really got into it. And when Tom Daley got gold in the diving a few few weeks ago, I didn't really realize how big of a thing that was mm. for him personally, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it was huge. Like... Uh, he, he's done four
2: Olympics, you know, um, he, he won bronze in London and then he won a bronze in Rio and obviously we got the gold Yeah. and then he went for it in the, uh, individual and he bombed out. And then this time round he's
1: finally got it. So that's great. Good on him. I think it's a really nice story as well to have someone who has been in the public eye for so long. Like it was crazy researching you and researching diving how long he's been spoken about mm, and yeah. how long it's taken to win gold. Mm. Like that is, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this because this isn't a negative, but that's a lot of failure mm-hmm. to get to now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sports riddled with failure, you know, we, we
2: learn, we learn most in our, in our darkest hours, you know, and we, we learn from our defeats. So, you know, it's failing is not a bad thing. It's failing
1: leads to knowing what you need to do to succeed. We've got so much to talk about. We've got to talk about you growing up, your diving career, um, your your spleen rupturing. Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, 5% chance of survival on that yeah. one. Yeah. Casual. Um, <laughs> but this is the Dangerous Dinners podcast. Yeah. So, across from you is a roulette wheel of the best and worst takeaways that are delivering to you tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, all you got to do is go and spin it. Yeah, I will order it, and dinner's on me. Let's go, Chris. Go over to the uh, the roulette wheel. Yep, give it a big spin. It's from Argos, so it's a little bit ropey. Yeah, so whatever you're ready. Three, two, one. Burgers, burgers. Yeah. All right. Well, burgers it is. You seem like quite a healthy guy. This must be a little bit out of uh, the ordinary. I've, I've know? been known to indulge okay fine have yep. you got anything that you normally go for if you're gonna go for a burger i mean i don't know what's around the area but yeah i love i love all burgers mate i love a five guys i love a i mean i love an honest burger they're okay. banging here we go there is a place around here which is very cheap and is called burger slut burger slut sounds like the one that sounds good right yeah what do you fancy what's your what's your order is if there's anything spicy there, I'll take that. Or if there's anything just cheese bacon, that's me. Right, there's nothing particularly spicy. Yeah. What I can give you is their and it looks unreal, their original cheeseburger. Oh, let's do it. You want? You like spicy? Yeah. Yep. What about some buffalo wings? Here you go. Buff buffalo wings good. <laughs> no. Stop it. There you go. Really treating me. Yeah, man. It was mad. Boom amazing the food is ordered yeah boy right so the way this podcast sort of ends up working and i love it for this is it ends up feeling like an episode of this is your life Mm. as we go from the beginning to sort of where we find yourself right now yeah now i want to say you're from Reading, but you're not are you i mean i am bergfield common Burfield common yeah that's right how was growing up there what is that what's it
2: like Burfield common is it's a small little quaint village uh in Reading um everybody knows everybody you know it's that kind of place that probably sums it up well enough I went to a school there that was probably like a eight minute walk from my house so super local everything's super local and um it was nice growing up there like it was just it was a good vibe like I could go and knock on my mate's doors whenever i wanted after school and all of that all of that jazz yeah
1: so it was i really enjoyed that childhood man like i was really blessed for that i grew up in preston and i think although preston is a little bit bigger than that i grew sort of outside of preston and that growing up and knowing everyone and being able to get up to a little bit of no good without being the sort of scary inner city life i think is really cool yeah so did you have the sort of 15 drinking on the park oh yeah oh yeah
2: yeah i mean i missed out on a lot of it like for obvious reasons you know i was in sport but um there'll be a bunch of stuff that you know i can dig into but yeah i I wasn't i wasn't very well behaved for quite a bit of my childhood life really yes
1: brilliant (laughs) did that translate into school were you a little bit annoying at school
2: yeah a bit yeah
1: i think I, I,
2: want, I, I, I was I didn't I wasn't too out there like I just I just wanted to be liked really I think I just I just wanted to I you know I, I wanted to be a cool kid I wanted people to not look up to me but I wanted to be part of it you know yeah whatever it was I wanted to be part of it so detentions yeah a few yeah <laughs> um a few detentions and you know I I used to leave leave school a lot but not even like for being bad like just because like. I would dive like I'd go off and dive in that and then um, I wouldn't do any like I I really played on the fact that I was good at sport basically. A lot of the teachers really liked me. Um but I wouldn't do the homework, you know. It was that kind of vibe. And then um, yeah, there was some there was some bad stuff that I got up to that kind of involved I guess like girls yeah, and you know, bit just being young, you know, and finding yourself. I got a bit lost for a little bit, let's say, probably okay. around 14 got around the wrong crowd and police involved and all really like, yeah yeah, Mate, yeah i
1: wouldn't have had that for you at all it was a bit of a cry for
2: help but a bit of a like you know hey look at me um but yeah there was like an abandoned house situation and a bunch of people used to go down there and i heard about it and um there was this girl that uh you know just wasn't my type at all i just didn't it shouldn't never have gone together but um yeah yeah i guess i kind of wanted something a bit different or whatever and uh, something drew, drew me towards it and I guess the danger of the whole it's exciting. Place. It was exciting and I wanted to go there and do whatever kids do, you know, and, and we did that. And then afterwards everyone ran off and I sat there and the police came over oh. and uh, nicked me. But um, Nightmare. Yeah. And, and that's just what being a kid is. But then I, I think that's where I didn't fit in. And everyone else was, like, you know, ran off apart from me and one other person. And I guess we were really the only ones that had much respect that were like, this is quite serious. Maybe I should probably stick around and, you know, talk this out.
1: But that didn't help. No, (laughs) Jesus, I luckily never had any run-ins with the law when I was young, just because I was so scared. Yeah. Oh, my God, I was scared of everything. It took me so (laughs) long to not be terrified of everything around me. You must have been a pretty brave kid then. Yeah, I think when I, when I look back, I'm actually I'm
2: very different now to how I grew up. I think um, when I look back on that, yeah, I, I was and um, I was attracted to danger. That's kind of why I like diving. I loved skiing. I loved mountain biking. You know, I loved trying to do parkour. I I chipped like my front tooth on the left by trying to break
1: dance. And my whole life, kind of as a as a kid, was like full of stories like that. When did diving? enter the scene how old were you when you sort of started doing that that got like discovered at like seven years old um i had a
2: lot of energy around the house and i, I think my parents were just a bit frustrated really and wanted me to uh to get to- they wanted the energy out because it was annoying i think <laughs> um and they, they obviously like were, how do we do that in a good way and they-, they put me into swimming and i was great off the blocks don't get me wrong but as soon as i got into the pool i couldn't be asked like i just wanted out of the pool and then one day, I think I was at a competition or something, and I dived in and I was like, I want to do that. And it was diving. It was a really small diving pool in
1: Reading, which doesn't exist anymore. I got knocked down, unfortunately. And that's where it started. Because that's what I never knew, how you got into diving, because it would seem weird, at least for a seven-year-old, to go, diving's the thing. Mm. So you start swimming. Yeah. I mean, if you're, comp- if you're competing at some level, mm. you must be all right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think with the swimming, I was like, it was a, I say I was competing,
2: it was like super low level event, you know, super novice kind of stuff. But it was more like, you know, it, it was all local area kind of stuff. And it, I just happened to be at this place where there was a diving pool. And I think I actually saw someone really hurt themselves. And I went, that's for me. What am I doing in here? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> that looks so much more dangerous yeah. and fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've got a friend that I went to school with who was very good at swimming and i saw the graft he had to put in to get to that Mm -hmm. which was before school maybe i'm doing a disservice but three times a week i think it was it was a lot yeah when diving took over your world how much graft was there at the start well for me um
2: the journey played out as follows so i was seven when i learned when i was like eight nine years old there was, they were like, okay, he's good. Like he's got something. We don't know what it is, but there's a, there's something there. Like yeah. they used to call me the frog because I would jump like nobody else Amazing. at my age um, or even like within a five-year radius of me, I think I would like, you know, but I was in a low-level club. So they were like, we don't know what to do with this. Um, so they put me in for a program called World Class Start and Chelsea War with two Rs, sure. she saw me and was like, He's got a crazy jump. Like we need to do more with this, right? We need. So I think out of the world class start, I think there were maybe like 20 divers that got through to like the next stage, if you mm. like, or like the final kind of s- selection process for that. And they sat us in a room and they said, one of you might make the Olympics. Um, yeah. It turned out I was the only one that made the Olympics. Wow. But there were a lot of there was a lot of talent that did come through that program. And what they did is they funded. A lot of the stuff for my parents, uh, for all the other parents. Um, I was quite gifted. That my parents, you know, earned good money, and they also, my stepmom was able to take me to training and stuff a lot. Right. So I was very blessed for that. But there were some other people that weren't. So that really helped them. Um, yeah, and they and they just helped basically put put me on the map. And they had me going to train in Southampton once a week, maybe when I was ten, twice a week when I was eleven, and then like four or five times a week. And then I was. 12 and then after that i I fully moved to southampton and i was i was
1: driving you know two hours a day back and forth so the program i guess that's government run right that must be a government thing to try and get people into yeah lottery funded i believe yeah so there was money there or there was things put aside to help your family get you to where you need to be in hotels and that sort of thing exactly yeah 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 wow travel costs and you know all that stuff so at what age did it Take over your life, and you go. Do you know what? I'm not gonna go and do, you, do uni. Did you go to uni? I did not go to uni. I did not go to college. I did not. Right. Sixth so, form. I didn't. <laughs> so those are decisions that are made when you're like 14, 14, 15. Yeah, something like that. Young.
2: Yeah, maybe maybe 16. That's where the Australia thing comes into it, and the the whole rupturing of the
1: spleen and all of that story. Um, which well, should we do that? That's the natural next. Yeah, yeah. Next yeah. thing. Yeah. You really have had an insane life. Olympic gold medal, MBE, music career, and nearly died. Um you nearly died. Yeah. What the hell happened? Oh man. Um And don't rush over this. I want yeah. every single detail of, of course, this story. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's a weird one this because I had I almost started going on autopilot with this story quite a lot because I got asked it a lot. Of course. So I started almost kind of
1: yeeting off the facts and not yeah. really, you know, but I'll do it properly. I want to rip you out of that autopilot. Yeah. Yeah. Don't exactly. tell, tell me like we're in the pub. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. Story. yeah like five pints deep. Kind of like. 100%. Okay, gotcha. I nearly died. <laughs> Two <laughs> I liters of died, blood.
2: Man. <laughs> it started, uh, let's start. So I, w- I went to Australia for the youth Olympic games and I was gassed like to be selected and to represent team GB for like the first time. I was sixty. I was fifteen years old, just going on sixty, and it was in two thousand nine. I had glandular fever, which is very common. Uh, if you're from America, mono—that's what it's called. Yeah. So it's basically it's called the kissing virus. Quite common in young people, isn't it? It is. It's common in uni students, especially because that that obviously spreads like wildfire yeah. like, in unis. I, and stuff. There's a girl. One girl in my high school got it. Yeah, and she yeah. just wiped her out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some people. They can be down and out for like 18 months. Some people will fine within a month or a week. You know, it, it completely varies. And for me, I didn't have any symptoms. But my insides, like my glands in my stomach and a bit in my, in my throat, they were like pretty bad. But I didn't say anything. So I was like, well, you know, I'm competing. I'm pushing myself pretty hard. It's just probably what it is. You know, yeah. I couldn't feel my stomach. It's just my throat. Um, what would the signs be? Because it's tiredness, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's basically like, you know, it's 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 savage fatigue and... You know, like you can, you can basically just get almost like flu symptoms from it as well, but then they could last for 18 months. So it's pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, Bed bound. Most people bed bound. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So I didn't get any of that because obviously I I was still training. I was still doing my thing. Um, Yeah, I remember uh, the day of my competition. I felt a bit weird and uh, almost like a bit, a bit like I was going to pass out, but I couldn't put my finger on it yet. So I went to breakfast, got myself an apple juice and some food. And I was like, I'm not hungry. So I've drank the apple juice. Um, that's irrelevant. But anyway, I uh, <laughs> I left and I went back to go to my room to get my bag to get ready for the competition. And on the way back, I smashed into a Cadillac. I was lost. Like I went, I went from being inside and being outside and then suddenly it was bright white and I literally felt like an angel was going to come and collect me. Like it was so bright. And I like passed out into this car and like almost like basically knocked the wing mirror like sideways off. Right, yeah. And then I was on the floor and they were like, okay, he's not all right. And I remember that this, this sweeping feeling coming over me very very shortly after I went down onto the floor and that was if I don't get better in the next 10 seconds I don't think this is okay like I don't like this feeling that I have right now is is very serious so what did it feel like? it just felt like I was gonna pass out and it felt like doom I don't know really how to describe it because I can't really fully fully remember but I just remember having a feeling of like okay I've been ill before we've all stood up and got head rushed man yeah 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 like
1: it's not that it's something right so that was then so even though you didn't know what it was yeah you think there was a feeling inside of you that said this is really bad yeah i was like hospital question mark do you know what i mean yeah i was yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> so
2: then from there i pass out and i'm having like seizures but in and out you know of
1: going, you know yeah so a seizure uh, we say it a lot but that's like your your body shape right? yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah. and you've never had that before nah nah i was i was doing that i was in and out of consciousness
2: and um i guess you can't remember any of no this, you no. don't really remember you kind of remember as a weird taste in your mouth and then and then you wake up and then you're like you don't realize any time's gone by so wow. i'm sat there and the doctor's still there like you're okay like with the lucas aid or whatever like i don't think that's gonna fix it but yeah <laughs> and, uh, i think we're past lucas uh, we're definitely Christ. past lucas aid there um so yeah that happens and then uh, i'm feeling more and more and more tired is like that i think the next 10 15 minutes it was all quite quick went by and then i remember are you sorry at this point i'm in i'm back in the apartment where we're staying fine um and then i I remember the doctor saying let's get an ambulance so they get an ambulance and luckily because it was the youth olympic games it's like a mini Olympics. so they've got like hospital on site um in fact it wasn't on site but it was next to the new south wales uh sydney hospital so ambulance comes in like three minutes i get straight to the hospital um and from there it just like deteriorated and i mean forgive me because i've I've probably deleted a lot of these memories through uh trauma but yeah. i think i will skip from here to the point where i looked at myself and i was like blue and jesus there were people all around me going like this guy's gonna fucking die jesus. we're losing him i was getting all that yeah because i was obviously in australia and I remember being in and out of consciousness and um, looking Wait, at
1: myself. Blew. Sorry, I would ask so many questions while oh. we go through. Sorry to interrupt. So when they said we're losing him, you're not bleeding out or anything, right? Yeah, you're, you're I'm ju- bleeding out. You, so where's the where's that coming from? My spleen ruptured. Right, but okay. it didn't tear
2: apart. It just ruptured. So the reason why when I woke up and I felt a bit weird was because overnight I've been slowly losing blood, right? Because right. I had a small tear. Now, when you get glandular fever, the glands in your stomach can get quite big and mine were huge. So that put a lot of pressure on my organs. And then I'm getting up on three meter, 10 meter, doing front three and a half somersaults tucked with, you know, front two and a half, two twists. That's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? Yeah. So that's what happened there. So I had the rupture and then I think the moment when it you know it, it was the, the, the tear was getting bigger and bigger like anything you know you have a tear on your jeans and you know eventually it's like okay I need to get a new pair there fucked you know yeah um, same thing uh, with this like I think that point it hit breaking point now this is so rare like this doesn't happen and hasn't really happened to anyone before in terms of the spleen rupturing this way so they didn't really have any idea what was going on but luckily at the last point somebody was on duty and i'm so glad thank you to them whoever they were and they said what about glandular fever and it's the spleen and that's why all the blood's in the stomach so all the blood in my body was gone into my stomach Jesus. and they just went that's all we've got that's the only thing it could be that we can that we can like medically th- think of so they just cut me open basically and then it all came out they removed the spleen uh um I think his name was David Story, was my surgeon. Right. Um, He did an amazing job of stitching me up, so thanks, man. Thanks, David. Thanks, David. I'm so glad that he made it straight and not wonky, because obviously I ended up, you know,
1: being on TV and stuff, and wonky abs would be really annoying. (laughs) That would be annoying. God, I hate it when my abs are wonky. Oh, man. That's so (laughs) relatable for me. (laughs) So you were on the operating table losing blood. That's why then things got a bit hairy. Yeah, and I mean
2: to go into even more detail when you like lose that much blood maybe it was just me or maybe it's like everybody i have no idea but um any touch was like hell it was like fire like i think all of my senses were like just uh, gone mental i could feel every every single point that was touching like the where i was laying and it was burning it was like absolutely killing me and so i was rolling around in agony and then when i was rolling i was running onto other bits So you know it was just a, it was awful so that just strapped me down and it was like over my head over my chest over my torso my legs and over the bottom you know on my feet whatever and it was so bad man like and they would put me through mris and that took like an hour and in that hour i basically just locked all like five pints of blood into my stomach And then that that was the point that I was telling you about. They were like, it's got to be this. He's basically, he's going to die right now. So we need to do it and just cut him open. And then I think when I went into theater was the time that they called my parents and they called my dad and said, basically in a way, come over here to recover the body, Jesus essentially. And they said, there's a 5% chance that he would make this, you know, from the amount of blood that he's lost Yeah.
1: Hey, me again. Hello. Sorry to pop up in the middle of the podcast. I need to explain something that happens here. So halfway through this amazingly gripping story, I got a call from our delivery driver that the food was downstairs and he couldn't find the hotel. Nightmare. When I was recording this, originally I didn't explain this very well on the podcast. So I'm just popping up here to explain why we just stopped talking about Chris being in hospital and almost dying. So the food turns up. We run back downstairs to grab the food
0: Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
1: Wow. We got there in the end, didn't we? Yeah, man, and this was nothing against Burger Slut, because it was not their fault, but we're in Salford Center where Media mm. City is, which is really hard to get round. The weather, guys, is thunder and lightning. It's mad. Do you have you ever seen Home Alone? Yeah. Do you know there's that bit where they're in France and the weather is so bad <laughs> yeah. it's like comical. Yeah, yeah. That's how bad the weather is outside. um But here we go. Here, Can I eat? It here? Yeah. Mate, uh, we encourage all our guests to eat the food on the show. So you you went with burger, cheeseburger, and um and the wings. I think it was. Damn! 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 damn. It looks good.
2: Damn. They smell good. They look good. For anyone that's concerned, uh, spicy food is literally my life. Um, Is it? So these wings look banging and they look spicy.
1: Chris, take a bite of the burger, my man. Here we go. Mm. Good choice. It's class. The wheel picked well this evening, Mm. guys. So I want to pick up on the dying thing, if that's all right. Mm -hmm. So you... We're in surgery. They realised what was wrong with you. It was the ruptured spleen. Your parents had had the call that this could be game yep, over. Absolutely. What do you remember after surgery? How did that progress? After surgery, I went into intensive care.
2: There was morph- a lot of morphine. I'll be honest. Yeah, been there. I was pressing that button as many times as I could. Yeah. Um, we've all you know we've all heard a story about the old button push with the morphine in hospital. And uh, I don't remember an awful lot. I think the first time that I woke up was, I think, because I heard my dad's voice. And uh, it has been two and a half days that I didn't wake up. And then my dad arrived. And as soon as he arrived and came in, I woke up. Wow. And I woke up, he said, and he can't ever talk about this and not be emotional. He like, I sat up, I did a thumbs up with my eyes closed and then went back down. That was my, obviously my way of saying it's going to be fun.
1: What a legend! Um, that's all like a muster. It's Not a lot, but that's that's all I can manage. And uh, that must have been so nice for him to yeah. see that. And well done you for doing that. Yeah, I mean, I mean,
2: well done, like me that Morphine's you. Yeah. <laughs> I think what what made made that even more difficult for my dad is that my mum passed away when mm. I was two and a half, roughly, right. and obviously my dad lost his wife. And he was potentially sitting there losing his kid, so I think for him, that was a big thing. Yeah, it was tough for the family. Um, but going back into the moment, I think it, it took it took me after I got out of ICU, which I think I was in there for a week. I then got out, and then it was like my my dying like w- mission to get out of that hospital because it was just like such a bad vibe. I couldn't eat really. And drinking was difficult because you know I said my skin was properly sensitive. Same with my taste buds and stuff. It was all like hyper sensitive, so I could only right. eat natural yogurt. It was the only thing I could actually touch that wouldn't like completely like draw me to tears. So, um, can you remember what that feels like now? Can you remember why it was so difficult? It was almost like any anything that um that went in with any flavour, it was like an insult to the body. Anything with any kind of salt or any even like. Even like the most flavourless airplane meal would have been like just really, really difficult to eat and really would hurt my taste buds. Right. Um so yeah, I I, I just ate like natural yoghurt, and I, for I think for a week and they said if you if you can take a shit, you can leave. <laughs> and I took the most measly little shit on like day eight <laughs> and they said you can leave and everyone clapped me.
1: Yes. That was like
2: the gr- the greatest day of my life. Clap the uh, poo.
1: Clap the, the poo. poo.
2: Exactly. Um <laughs> And I left hunched over with like a, you know, like a five inch scar on my stomach, like bent over like an old man. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say walked. It was more of a, you know, a, a, what do you call it? Uh, a waddle. A waddle mm. uh, and a struggle out of the hospital back to the hotel where my parents were staying. All in all, how long was it? Um, that's not the end of the story, unfortunately. I wish it was. There's the old
1: seizure, isn't there? Yeah. The seven-hour seizure. Is that right? Yeah, eight and a half. So let's fast forward. Let's fast forward um,
2: a month. So every day I'm injecting myself with all this stuff. Um, don't worry, I haven't gotten to heroin. <laughs> um, the uh, My platelet count was one of the lowest ever recorded on us surviving human. It was at two. Um, and the platelet count that you're supposed to have in your blood, you probably have right now is about 300 right or 350 or something because it went down to two the body's natural reaction is like make a lot so my blood in my body became so i guess hypersensitive it went up to about 700 which is basically if you get a paper cut you'll die because all the blood in your body would slowly like clot basically is how i understand it that might not medically make sense but either way that's what i was
1: told that if basically just don't cut yourself so think, something yeah. skyrocketed yeah, after yeah, the hospital yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, you yeah. then went the other way yeah if i had to thin your blood thin to thin my of... blood yeah
2: i had to take all of these meds and they were making me feel super weird but you know i got told categorically i had to take all of these meds and this was you know a month later i've been doing that for a month and they told me if you get down to a certain level on platelet count you can leave so obviously that was my next mission it was australia day Yeah, my parents, they hadn't left my side the whole time and they made a decision and they said, we're going to go out for an hour, maybe two. Here's a phone. Call us if you need us. Every half hour, call us. Well, the first half hour I didn't call, second half hour I didn't call, so then they headed straight back. And when they did arrive back into the hotel, I was just having a fit. Don't know how long I'd been having a fit for, but obviously didn't call. Yeah. Um... And that proceeded to basically, it just wouldn't stop. So they medically induced me into a coma after eight and a half hours, roughly.
1: So you were rushed to the hospital. I mean, you don't remember, but you were rushed I to the hospital, remember, I don't
2: remember, no. Um, but yeah, I remember waking up in hospital and being very emotional when I woke up because I was back at square one again, essentially.
1: What was the last thing you remember in the hotel room? Oh, was, oh, I have no idea. No. I I'm literally sure. have no idea. I remember them leaving. That's probably it.
2: Yeah. So it was, it was, was, it was savage waking up. Back in hospital, you know, I hated the catheter. Yeah, to be honest, I hate that thing. Anyway, but, uh, that I was back in, I wasn't yeah. happy
1: about that. Makes you feel weird. Yeah, I hate, yeah, it. I I hate needles. Okay, the I idea. So of it let's be... move on from that. Move yeah. on. Um, do they know why it happened? They don't. But
2: you know, it's not medically proven. But it was so much stress on the body, like, and they think it was probably just so much stress on the body. It was just my body's freaking out. My my levels of everything were all over the place. So I think it was just like, oh, let's shut down reboot um yeah so i was i was in a i was in a coma for a week and when i when i came around even before when i when, before i came around the doctors had said you know we're looking at the we're looking at everything and it doesn't look good for the recovery it looks like it's a lot of swelling on the brain and he won't be the same chris that he was before yeah and then i, I woke up and i remember a guy saying you know what's your name I said, Chris Mears, and he went, great start. Oh, wow. (laughs) What a moment. And then he said, what's your date of birth? And I was like, "Uh, 7th of the 2nd, 1993. And then he said, "Uh, what day is it? And I was like, well, yesterday was Friday, so it's Saturday. And he was like, nope, it's Sunday the next week. But obviously, that was a joke. Because I missed
1: an entire week of life. I pondered on that many a night. Yeah. Was that? That was the end, though, wasn't it? From there, you a long road to recovery, but the road was straight. The the road was actually not that long. Um, I think
2: we touched on it a bit earlier about you know being a kid and being a bit you know crazy and not crazy, but you know just what kids do. Sure. And it I, it, it was like a bit of a kickstart for me. Really, um, it was it was a realization that I can do anything if I can get through that. I can literally do anything, and I got up and. I said I'm not going to dive anymore and they were like okay I think it's a good idea my parents were like happy about that yeah uh, because you know we've had now a history of seizures and all that if you have another one you can't drive and there were so many complications with it so I was on so many meds still and I was like yeah you know maybe I'll try and study and I think I thought that for about three hours and then I went get me to the pool right so yeah. then that didn't last long at all um, and I had to wear, like, a heart monitor. I wasn't allowed to raise my heart rate above, like, like 92 or something. Wow. Stupid. So I just That's didn't... so low. So low, yeah. So basically, I just didn't wear it because I was like, that's bullshit. I'll do what I want. Um,
1: <laughs> Sounds medically safe. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Medical mirrors. I don't yeah. think so. Um, yeah, so I, I from then, it was like, if you tell me no, I'll show you. So uh, that was really powerful. That, like... You know, it's it's like Thor with his hammer. It, it felt just like I was like, I'm on a mission and I don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to do it. Um, Whatever it is. From there, the health complications were so draining. Like every month I would have a temperature like 40 degrees. Like, you know, when you're shaking, I'm sure you've been ill where you're shaking. Yeah, and you yeah, sweating. And you're like, oh, it, oh. will this stop? I'd get that for, you know, for five days and it would put me out for a week of training and it just didn't stop me I was like I, if I keep doing it surely it will go away like at, at some point my body will learn and if for those that don't know what the spleen is it's basically a filter for your blood and it's basically your immune system right so I don't have that um, in fact so, you're just picking up
1: everything every illness yep you just yeah, I walk got
2: past a guy on the train with uh, you know with the cold I've got it Bang, you know yeah yeah. And I was on all these meds and I decided that I was going to wean myself off of meds, off of all the meds. So I Googled how to wean yourself off of medication. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, you know, half the medication or whatever, and then half it again and then half it again. And then you're off. Um, and I did that for all the medication, which is a really probably a really reckless idea. Yeah. But I couldn't think straight and I couldn't train. And I couldn't do. I just felt out of body. You know, everyone's felt like that. I'm sure at some point in their lives, whether it's a sleeping tablet or what, I felt absolutely out of body. So I just stopped taking them, and I was hiding them everywhere in the house that I could, so as I know they wouldn't be seen. And um, yeah, one day I came home from training, and uh, my my parents sat me down, and they said they were crying basically, and they were like, "You can't do that, like, to us. We can't go through anything like that ever again. Uh, you know, you need to take this." yeah and i said i think it's time we talk to a doctor where i can tell them that i'm not going to take it right so we did that and they
1: said that's silly but it's your choice so i said no so the medication they were giving you this wasn't just painkillers and stuff this was like i can't even say it was like it was not painkillers it was like 20 20
2: different pills a day i was taking whether it was something you know anti-seizure or anti this or anti that and all of these precautionary things um,
1: they were given me and I was just I just couldn't I just couldn't I was like I'm not doing it I'm not doing it because I get the I get the ambition to go do you know what I don't want to be on a painkiller anymore I don't want to be on this because you can sort of fight that yourself right you can yeah. you're strong enough to go I don't need to have the pain dull just give it me I can yep. get over it but to to stop taking things which are outside of your control mm. feels foolish yeah.
2: It was absolutely foolish. Right. Um. I should have, by, by doctors' orders, I should still be taking penicillin to this day. Every day of my life I'm supposed to take penicillin. Right. I don't take it. I'm pretty healthy. Yeah. But I think I built that myself. Um. You know, it's not backed by any evidence, but some doctors I've spoken to are like, I think that's really sensible. And some doctors I've spoken to and they go, I think that's really reckless. So it just depends who you talk to but at the end of the day I was in control of it and me choosing to not do that was actually more beneficial than than being told to do something and it's not your decision the fact it was my decision gave me the power I was
1: like I'm in control of my body you know that's that's just what my vibe was. Maybe that's because you were a a ballsy kid growing up and I wasn't I don't think I'd ever go against medical advice Mm. maybe that's silly (laughs) <laughs> it's definitely silly. Right. Definitely silly. So you think you just knew your body better than they knew it? I think actually I was young. Right. And I didn't like being told what to do. <laughs> yeah. So after all that, how are the wings, by the way? Mm. Can I have one? You absolutely can. Mate, they're proper good. The whole food looks... It's really good, mate. It looks like. looks i'm here the third and the seventh i'm definitely getting this again so after all that the idea of um ever diving again yeah probably wasn't advised to you no uh, i was i was definitely um my coach
2: worthy mention um Lindsay fraser she really really helped me help my career helped build me as a person she she was selling she was selling me the dream she was like you know you're going to be massive you're you know you're i can see how hungry you are and driven and i know this is going to work out but we've got to convince your parents that you're going to be okay (laughs) right yeah and we did it slowly you know we did it slowly um the, the all them health stuff that i was talking about all that health stuff i was talking about you know that slowly started going away and uh started building up some kind of immunity
1: um yeah and i just went from there i guess you always knew you were gonna make a return what was the year of the hospital stuff 2009 fine which is insane that you then returned diving 2010 2011 yeah that's when you got going again in all that yeah and what is sort of even more crazy is that you're in the olympics in 2012 Mm. how yeah i
2: mean i think just that determination that drive that it gave me um and there's a bit of luck involved as well um i did the 2010 commonwealth games i came like fourth there but i only i mean not to make excuses like athletes don't ever make excuses but i was in bed for eight days because of my health stuff I, I obviously caught something on the plane i landed i had i had eight days or i had seven days until my first competition i couldn't make it i still had the temperature of like 38 and as soon as I got there, a temperature of 40 degrees, I was in bed the whole time. Lost so much weight, no muscle. Yeah. Didn't train in the pool. Um, day of my competition, I was like, yeah, I, th- I think I can do it. You know, it was a synchro event. Um, yeah, and I woke up, I went to the pool, I trained and I competed <laughs> off of absolutely nothing. Um, and we came fourth, missed out on a medal by like 0.75, which is like really, 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 really close. Right. But yeah, that really, that really hurt me because I was frustrated and I was quite hungry then uh, yeah. for the games. And, at that point, Ben Swain, who was a really good diver, had got an injury and he was out. So I was in the Synchro team, which mm-hmm. is how I got the the gig at 2010 Commonwealth Games. Right. So um, I started building a relationship with him and then there I was like quick as a flash and I was at 2012 Games representing Team GB. How did that go? How did 2012 go? Really well. Like, again, I, I look back at some of their videos and there's not really a single dive that I'm not on the board smiling. Yeah um and i think if you compare that to the rio games you'll see that one version was a boy and one version was a man but the london games was was very much i was in my absolute element and i was just like i knew i'd earned the right to be there and i knew that i earned it to myself to be happy and to enjoy it so i li- i just stood on the board with the home crowd and i just i soaked it up i got one of the i think it was one of the top three highest scoring dives of the whole event amazing um I came ninth individually and I came fifth in the synchro, I believe.
1: I guess, and they say, it's a well, well used phrase, but you don't know what you've lost till it's gone. Yeah. And what made you such a good diver is probably the fact that for a moment in time it was gone mm. and that history wasn't going to be what you mm-hmm. thought it was. Absolutely, yeah. We had a professional golfer on the show mm-hmm. months ago now, a guy called Peter. And he left golf for a bit to do something else and then mm. came back. And he said only when coming back did he realize how much he loved it and how much it meant to him. Mm. And I think that's probably quite similar to you in the sense that you felt what it was like to not have a career in diving. So then to be there in 2012 and to be able to stand there and do yeah. it. Yeah. What's to lose? 100%.
2: There was nothing to lose. I had all to gain. I wasn't expected to medal. I had no medal pressure. In fact, I wasn't even, I wasn't even expected to make the semi final. In my individual. And I made the final. Yeah. And I, and I loved it. <laughs> There's, it, uh, you know, bad dive, good dive. I didn't care. I was just, literally just watch it back. And I, I laugh at it now because I'm like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> I had no composure. Yeah. It was just all emotion. But that's great. That's you know? amazing. At the same
1: time, it's all, it was great. I've heard you say that you don't think you're the best diver in the world, but you think your mental game mm. is totally up there yeah and that's what has made you win so much is because the guys that are better than you in your own words can't do it on the day it's about mental resilience like
2: you know that's at the end of the day that is what it's about on the competition day um there have been a lot of people that have come and gone that have, have been really 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 good but they just couldn't put it together on the day they've like individually like their dives might all land yeah, in, in different competitions but they didn't do it in a string yeah like, in the one competition and um, I think I built up a really healthy relationship with the five rings uh, in London. And I think when I came back to it, I was like, well, I know I'm going to dive well because I did last time. So I just had this, I, had, I just had this mentality with it that I was like, I always dive well at the Olympics. It's like, we've well, only done it once. It's like, yeah, but it's th- that's just what happened. And I'm just very confident that it's going to happen again. Yeah. I don't know why. And I was kind of lucky that I did have that approach, I guess. But
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, I just felt very confident with it all. Can we talk about the day you won gold? Yeah. So, talk me through it moment by moment for someone who doesn't know the ins and outs of how a diving day would go or yeah. how you would win gold. Yeah. It started off with waking up. I guess Which is the first great step. place to start, man. It, yeah, yeah. Especially when you'd done probably two weeks of your life in hospital where you didn't wake up. <laughs> <laughs> like great skill to have. Um, it is a great skill, yeah, and mm. it's it's a blessing,
2: isn't it, waking up? But um. I think I'm only mentioning this because I woke up and I opened the curtains and I looked at Jack. It was basically, it was like what we're looking out of the window now. It was gray and it would look like thunderclouds and it was pissing it down. And I looked at Jack and I laughed and I said, people are going to be nervous with that because it's outdoors. The, yeah. the, the stadium's outdoors. And um, Jack went, yeah, yeah, people are going to be all over the place. We never, ever mentioned that we would be. It was always like, oh, I bet that's going to rattle some people. It was always about, you know, we always knew that we were a strong team and that we wouldn't ever let that get to us. So we go to breakfast, do our thing. We go to our training session and the water is like green. It looks like Shrek Swamp. Did we ever get to the bottom of why it was green? Yeah, there were two like uh chemical companies and they didn't communicate and they put contrasting stuff in, I think, was the vibe. Oh brilliant. Um <clears throat> yeah, and it ended up basically just being algae, like all in the pool. Lovely. Um yeah, so we turn up and uh yeah, it was just green and we were just like that I was just looked at it and I was like, <laughs> that is a joke. Like, <laughs> what is that? And and Jack Jack said to me, it might be easier to see. Cause like when we're in the air, the one thing you want is to be able to see the water so because that's where you ended up right yeah. so you want to land upright in the water that's the whole aim of the game and um we'd had a couple of issues while we were there especially when it's blue skies where i thought the sky was the water and i reached towards it and go oh no no that's the sky not the water wow yeah
1: because it's blue 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 yeah blue. You yeah, pick yeah, your yeah you, can't, blue. you
2: can't pick it out and jack went oh maybe that'll be easy to see it's all so
1: positive and I was like, "That's a good point." We, we went love up- this. This is brilliant. So this is as someone who plays amateur golf, right? Yeah. And I know I bring it back to because I don't. I'm not sporty, right? Yeah, yeah. But my golf's my, and diving, they're, they're quite, they're quite similar, actually. Yeah, in a mental game, right? And my yeah. mental game about everything in life is poor, and especially in my golf game is okay. poor. Is every putt I'm going to miss? Every drive's going to go out of bounds? Mm. Every water I'm going to hit? Mm-hmm. And I, there's a few golfers that I play with who that's the worst possible approach you could ever take <laughs> yeah. ever they're like it's a joke you step up to a put and you're like well this is not going to go in you sort of embody the opposite of that whole vibe right yeah, the reason you won is because everything was positive for you i really believe so wow yeah. and we were so connected as a, as two
2: people as connected as you could be without actually being together yeah <laughs> yeah we really knew each other i think we were probably the only team there that wasn't complaining and whilst everyone was complaining we went up there with like literally no warm up and did one of our hardest dives and absolutely creamed it to the high heavens and everyone saw. Amazing. So they watched us do that and I think they were like, "Oh, okay, you know, they're they're on,
0: yeah. they're
2: feeling it." I don't even know if we trained our entire list. I think we then after that actually had a shocking training session. Um, it wasn't it wasn't good. Right. Um, it was just that one dive and then, yeah, and then I think we proceeded then to not worry at all. Went back to the uh went back to our quarters or whatever and chilled out for a bit and were together the whole time, chatted loads of shit and, you know, good vibes. <clears throat> Came back with the tracksuits on, did a parade, um and then basically From there, yeah, we, we entered the competition and our competition routine we had done so much like analysis on and we'd had so so much lead up to the event that it almost felt like it was it was meant to be that we would win this one. I don't know. I just had this feeling because in the test event, um, which is like the trials, we'd already qualified because we were top three, thank God, in the World Cup. So we didn't even have to worry about qualifying. So we tried a new dive that's like never been done in synchro before. Yeah. And we did it and it went really well. And that was our fifth round. So we were going to win the, the World Cup, which in my opinion you don't want to do because then you've got to win the Olympics as well as winning the World Cup yeah so we we then we did that and it was like a huge score I think we got like 98 points huge score on it and then we were so gassed and we were jumping up and down and we're like hang on a minute we've got another dive to do and it was suddenly oh my god routine went out the window we go up there and we both absolutely tank it on our back for like three like like threes in execution right we get like 25 30 points and everyone's like head in hands you know oh my god what was that and then we ended up fourth. And then Europeans, we beat the Russians and we won. Yeah. Um, and Russia, Russia was a big uh, competitor for us. And then we go into the games and we're like, we didn't win the we didn't win this test event, but we know we should have. We beat the Russians. They're like, they're worrying. They put this dive in that we were doing, but they couldn't do it. They right. just couldn't do it. They just knew they had to, to be competitive. Yeah. And we were smashing this dive out like it was like, it was our bread and butter. Like it was easy. And I think that was again, testament to our approach yeah and on the day it just came together man like we, we just every dive that I
1: did I was like you know I want to do it yeah it's going to be good and this is my naivety about the sport is there a moment when you're about to do a dive and it's like this is the one which will get us gold this is the one that will get us over the line or is it not really like that you do a variety of dives and the points add up and there you yeah, go basically the, yeah basically yeah the latter like everything adds up
2: you know Um, and I think actually when I watch back my performance I didn't do anything spectacular like My inward was great, um, which is one of my directions, basically. Um, My triple out was good, but there was a bit of a discrepancy in both of us together. It wasn't like the most together thing we've ever done. Um, My double out was splashy, and my front was a little bit over and splashy. Like, if I was saying that in a list of dives, I would be like, eh, it was all right, you know. But that's what it took to win that day. Yeah. Like, everyone was so not in it because of the green water or whatever reason it's raining it's cloudy and then it's dark and floodlit so it's it's so many it's the, the environments were crazy it's just like, weird it's just a it's not a normal event and um we were way stronger like up there in the in the in the head than anyone else and like you know that i, I didn't dive the most amazing like it wasn't like i absolutely blew everyone out of the water i just did enough
1: it was just enough to win gold that yeah, day yeah where is the medal now uh it's uh, home in the box probably in a sock drawer what's it worth do you know what it's worth not
2: a lot i don't think do you not think do you know what i'm a bit pissed off about this <laughs> a bit, i don't know where this is going but i love it it's a bit of a rant um Mar- the rio olympics was the first and only olympics where the, the the gold medal wasn't made out of solid gold every other event it is mine it's not it's part like something and then part
1: gold so they stopped doing the gold and then they went back to the gold yeah i think maybe in tokyo it's fully gold right yeah it's not worth that much value wise nah i mean not like i'd ever sell it but no if i did want to like if it got really bad in music you know what i mean and then you got an mbe so congrats on that thank you ma'am thank you what so that's a member what does that mean do you know what it means um have you forgotten yeah it's a um a member of uh the british
2: empire yes yeah
1: i'm so glad i didn't need google for that (laughs) yeah i was ready i (laughs) was ready ready to embarrass him so did you meet the queen for that yeah i did yeah it was cool casual yeah it was great i loved it how was she liz good old liz love liz she was
2: great yeah no it was it was it was a really good experience and you know just that uh, yeah that was the icing on the cake that whole thing you know represented the country not like i thought about any of this as i was doing it i was just doing it but afterwards i think because it was because it was the first gold in diving ever it was just way more of a big deal than i ever thought um and it was more it was less about what i just said and it wasn't just us doing six dives together and doing just enough to win gold it was like then the whole whole perspective of inspiring a nation and all of that kind of stuff and not even a nation other other so many other people in diving in the sport itself it you know they were kind of we, we were idols for a bit you know for them so it was yeah that was great amazing what a
1: career how sad was it to step away
2: yeah it was tough but at the time i wanted nothing more than two step away uh, my mental health was really low and um, i'd got to a point where it was anything else i think than doing what i was doing i felt very much like i was dragging jack down because jack was super positive afterwards and we were still a team and i was only doing synchro i didn't want to do anything else i just wanted to do the bare minimum so and i could only manage the bare minimum by the way that right. was all i could manage
1: why what was what happened
2: hard to say but i think on reflection just no one really there's no like book that tells you how you should feel if you become like olympic champion if you get your dream yeah exactly it's like always chase Mm. we're always chasing like you're chasing now i'm chasing now i'm back but it was a bit like i don't want to do another olympics really i couldn't be asked like i just was felt deflated
1: yeah
2: i was like what am i doing
1: yeah, I guess you lose an understanding of who yourself is to you. You yeah. were this diver who nearly died, who then went on to win gold, and your your whole being is being a diver. Mm. So then to not want that anymore, yeah, you, guess you just get a bit lost in who you are.
2: Absolutely, yeah. It was, it was, it was absolutely that. And it was sad to recognise at some point that, that had happened to me because I think for a while I was a bit like oh I was just bitter about a lot of stuff and you know I was I was almost a bit a bit bitter um a bit bitter at Jack actually because he was just doing so well and he just looked so happy and he was in a really good relationship and I think I would just I just felt like I was just like why me like why do I feel like this like but without even knowing that I did
1: so is he um, doing individual events still? He was still yeah, yeah his yeah, own. He, and just he won a silver it. in the individual event as
2: well at the Olympics. He like got two medals. Wow, he's a machine. Yeah, he doesn't stop. So that happened, and uh, I always knew I wanted to do something in music. And me and my cousin always spoke about doing something in music. Yeah, and Robbie is, you know, we're very very close, and we didn't get to spend an awful lot of time together growing up because. He's on my mum's side. And when my mum passed away, unfortunately, like none of my family wanted anything to do with the other side of the family. It was mostly my dad. I think it was very difficult for him. Yeah. So Robbie was like kind of deemed a bad influence and I wasn't allowed to see him. So we didn't see each other. But he was the I, cool music guy. Yeah, yeah, he was the rock star music guy. And uh, he was in a band, supported like JLS, Olly Murs and stuff and oh, was wow. doing huge stuff in his own right. And I was really like quite inspired by that. And um, we always said, you know, well, we're going to do something one day, music. We didn't know what it was, but we were just like, we're going to do something one day, you know? And, um, I used to sometimes take a day off of, uh, training and we'd get fucked up and make music and yeah. you know, drink till we can't drink anymore and all that, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then I'd go back up to training and it would be, it'd be pretty bad, but you know, <laughs> yeah. I got through it. And yeah, I think like two years after I kind of realized I was like, I can't take any more of being a diver. I just can't do it. Like as much as I forced myself to get through it, and everyone around me forced me to get through it, because they, were, I think, they were hoping I would turn, I would turn a corner, yeah. and the corner never got turned. The only way it got turned was for me to step away and move on and shape out, carve out a new career for myself.
1: Did you get help? Did you speak to people? Did you need that, or did you do this yourself?
2: I like to think that I did. Like, I like to think that I was doing well, and you know, but I was not at all. Yeah. It took me, in fact, only in the last year I felt really great. Um, even the last six months, I felt really great. Like, back to normal. Um, that fight's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That fire, you know, like that um, that energy that I think... That magic that made me me and made me do all of the
1: stuff that I did before. Uh, but then you found music and you found Bloodline, which is what you do now. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So th- Bloodline is a music DJ production duo. Yeah. With you and your cousin. Yeah. What's crazy is, for most people surviving death would be enough for most people being in the olympics winning gold would be enough for most people getting an mb would be enough you're now really pushing and having success in music which is crazy you were part of uh the vamps single yeah that came out recently um you've you've dj'd and been with pendulum right is that right yeah that
2: was a long time ago but uh yeah yeah what's the plan i think what's important actually just on that note that you said that i think the reason why I feel it's gonna, you know, that, that it's, it is being, you know, it's it's getting successful now, is because I don't need it to be, mm. um, and I think that's really powerful. Is like not not needing. I'm always gonna I'm always gonna be, you know, be hunting. You know, we're always chasing, like I said, but I don't need to chase to be to feel accepted or to feel happy. I think that's just a byproduct of you know how I work. Um, I'm obsessed with music I'm obsessed with mix engineering and how to place things in a mix and I I just I love it and I just I research everything and there's there's a lot of every day is a school day man you can't you can't ever be you can't ever reach an end goal and I think actually that's what I love about it yeah there's always a different way to approach something approach a song or approach a production music it flips so quick what is the end game? I don't know yet not sure at all but I know that I'm going to enjoy it, like the journey. Yeah. And um, having a having a record with a DJ that I've looked up to for, you know, if if, if someone told me that I had a record with Alok like four or five years ago, I'd have like been jumping about. Yeah. And also I, I've just, um, we've just secured Alok and Steve Aoki's next release. That's and amazing. Steve Aoki was like, Boneless, it was cool, was one of my favorite songs ever. Like, because I yeah. was an EDM head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, someone told me then that I was going to have a song with like, Steve Aoki. You know, Bloodline's not a part of it. it. We made it and yeah. wrote it, but we're giving it to them because it didn't fit our
1: project. Wow. Um, and they're putting it out.
2: Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's coming out quite soon, I think, in the next like three months or so.
1: And it only takes one song to change your life as well. Mm. It's like the Swedish House Mafia, Don't You Worry Child story. with <laughs> Yeah, man. Who wrote that? John? Oh, I shouldn't know. John Martin. Big writer. Yeah. That song changed his life yeah yeah and there's no reason why in six months time we can't sit down and this song has done that for you guys and we're in a completely different place but i think what's really cool is you don't need it to be
2: yeah i th- I think so too um i'm doing it because i really 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 truly enjoy it um don't get me wrong like you know the, the money's good but like now it's like not great but yeah. it's good um I think what I like is the unpredictability it's actually really, really raining now. It's putting um, it down outside. Yeah. What I really like is the unpredictability of the, the money. Like yeah. you can, and it, and it's all based on how, how hard you work and how you've got a real, like, I feel like you've got to almost train into getting into a, like an emotional headspace to make a really like to make a hit every mm. day. Cause like, I don't believe in like writer's block is absolute bullshit. I'm sorry for any writers out there that feel like they get it, but, also i just feel like you have to change your state of mind so like if you're trying to do something and it's not working go and watch a film and then you oh i got really inspired by this bit in this film i sometimes put put like marvel one yeah and like or star wars and then like pick a bit of the film i love and then just write music to it and it's like oh i made something great it's like yeah but that is because i'm enjoying that like i just feel like you have to change your state to then get into a different headspace to then create something great that you wouldn't have created if you didn't do that. If you just sit down and you're trying to do something, it's like, it's not working, stop. Like, you're not. You're still in the same headspace. You're probably yeah. angry as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, just go and chill out for a bit. Go get a coffee and, you know, go and do something you do like and then go back, like... Are you happy? Yeah, I'm, I'm the happiest I've ever, ever been since getting the medal. So... So it peaked? Yeah. It then
1: got really bad. Yeah. And we're back, we're getting there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think... I mean I'm in a great relationship. Um I've got an, I've got an amazing team around me. Uh you know I I, I do I do what I like in a way. Mm. Um I'm pushing myself. I'm in a good place. But your happiness is not tied to that success. I don't feel it is. I in in a way it it can be because obviously like you know I need I need to have the success of getting a cut or you know doing a production for someone and them actually liking it and taking it for me to get paid. Yes. <laughs> so like it is results-based, but at the same time, I don't feel that the need, like, I used to feel the need, like, I can't see anyone because I don't have anything to talk about yet, and I don't have that now, Yeah. Um. and that isn't because I have stuff to talk about, that's because I've sorted out everything in my life.
1: Yeah, I think it's getting your self-worth, not from things you don't have control of. 100%. That's been my lesson, that's what I've taught myself, and I feel like it's becoming more and more universal, is... There's only so many things you control in this world. Yeah. So to hand your self-worth to something or someone mm. who isn't you yeah, is yeah. ridiculous because yeah. Yeah. you you they choose you you're high. Yeah. They don't choose you you're down, but that's yeah. not your choice. You can only do what you do. Yeah. I think, I think that's so. a nice point to end. I do as well actually, yeah. Chris, you're an inspiration, man. Oh, mate, thanks very much. I appreciate it. Wow. That's been um I was going to say I was very excited for this and it's lived up to every expectation. Um it feels a lot more mental than I thought it was gonna be. Your right. success feels a lot more you've built a headspace for success. Yeah, yeah. And you can put that headspace into whatever you want. Tonight, the Dangerous to podcast gave you burger. It did. How was it? It was insane. And uh I'm up in Manchester for a bit,
2: so I'm definitely getting this again. The wings were uh, you know, they they, they were they were lit. The burger was great, but the wings, I'm, I'm getting the wings again. Do you want to rate it out of 10? Yeah, I'm going to go with 8.5. Woof! Yeah, 8.5. Chris Mears, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it.
0: Cold food, but hot guests. It's the Dangerous Dinners Podcast.
1: Ah, there we go. Thank you, Christopher. Chris Mears, what a gents. I told you. Fun episode, right? I left that, as soon as I left that interview, I called my girlfriend straight away and was like, I think that's the best one we've ever had. I just thought it was so inspirational. What a advocate for the mental game of sport, the mental game of anything. Believe in yourself and you can achieve more than most if you can hold it down on the day. Um, Thank you so much if you got to this point of the podcast. We always appreciate all the listens, all the love. We're on TikTok and Instagram, the Dangerous Dinner's podcast. And we'll be back same time next time for another episode. Have a good one, guys.